welcome to the God in the Wild series on the Idlewild podcast channel. God in the Wild explores the faith journeys of members of our community at Idlewild Presbyterian Church and how they see God at work in their lives. I am Elizabeth Doolin, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome, everyone, to the God in the Wild podcast. This is a special episode in honor of Memphis's Pride Month, which is in the month of September. This episode features several members of our Idlewild community. We have Laura Russell and Mark Jones as our interviewees, and Megan Clark and AJ Northrup as our interviewers today. Um, So thank you all for being here. This episode is co-produced by myself and AJ Northrup, who I will let tell you a little bit about how this came to be. Earlier this summer, we, um, we were at the food bank one day on a Wednesday, and it just, I knew, you know, pride was coming up. A lot of things had changed in the church about, you know, just getting together. And I saw Elizabeth and I meant to email her about an idea I had about sharing gay stories, gay lesbian stories, um, or or reflections of the LGBTQ plus community, uh, especially for Pride Month. I thought that it would be an interesting podcast because, you know, truth be told, Folks in the LGBT community, when we're in the majority world, we get a lot of questions. And um, especially when we're at church with our church family, uh, we get a lot of personal questions. And um, sometimes it's hard to answer those questions. Sometimes we don't answer those questions. Uh, But usually we try to be as honest as we can. And I think this is a wonderful opportunity to help introduce um, a few of those questions. And it, saying that, I know that in the future, um, I would like to see more of a panel style, uh, something more personal and in-person in the future. So that, that's where this came from. Thank you, AJ. I believe we are ready for our interviews now. Um, Laura and Mark, can you share with us your experiences with faith growing up as your sexual identity developed? I don't mind going first, Mark. So uh, I grew up Catholic and uh, my dad was in the Air Force, so we moved around a lot. So the Catholic faith is always, it's church is always the same. It's very structured, it's very regimented. And for me, I didn't understand, not that I didn't understand, but I didn't agree with a lot of the things that were being told to me as far as you're not going to go to heaven if you're not Catholic and, you know, uh, all the things that go along with the Catholic faith. And as a elementary school person, I remember wondering how could that be, but there was never a space to ask questions. There was, I never, there was not the opportunity nor um, the space created by the adults or the the young adults that I was around. It was just shut down. Like you're just this is the way it is. There was no questions. Um, if it if the Pope said it, so be it. 
so because of that and because of my experiences um, with my with my family without going into further detail on that there was in my opinion a lot of hypocrisy so <clears throat> as a teenager probably ninth grade or so I just stopped going unless I had to unless there you know unless there was some occasion that my parents said you must go I think probably not long after confirmation which again wasn't it was you will not there was no questions so I was way far away from the church um, as a senior in high school when I when I really really got in touch with the fact that I'm gay there were thoughts and wonderings as a young person through elementary school but never it never had a name I didn't know what that was and there was never a space to even explore that and it certainly wasn't talked about in the Catholic Church not at all so church had no factor whatsoever for me as a young person I still considered myself Christian and and I actually still said that I'm Catholic, even though I wasn't practicing. But until I probably hit my early 30s, did I start seeking out a place back in church. So it really didn't factor into my sexuality whatsoever and my development or questions because I'd already stepped away. Well, for me, um... I'm, I'm from Idlewild. I grew up, I was baptized um, in the church in like 1967. And so um, I, I grew up in the church and when I was entering the eighth grade and hitting puberty head on, I realized that I was gay, that I liked guys. And looking back, like Laura said, there may have been some kind of thoughts in elementary school, but you didn't really have a name for it um, or could describe what it was. But eighth grade on, I knew I liked guys. And in the 1980s in Memphis, being gay is the last thing you want to be. And so I kept it to myself. I didn't share it with anyone. I thought I would be kicked out of the church. Uh, if it was found out, I would have problems with my family maybe kicked out of the family if I, were, if I was found out to be gay and lose all my friends. And to be honest, Idlewild, I don't ever remember hearing a, an anti-gay sermon at Idlewild. And our youth group, Basic, I went to Basic every Sunday, we never talked about it. Never had like a, a night of discussion. And my family never talked about it. So they, I, I got no message from my family or Idlewild that being gay was wrong. It's just that everyone else was saying it was wrong. I mean, school, state, other churches. And so, and Idlewild didn't say anything positive either. So it was just a non-subject. So I really, I, I, I was afraid. I was afraid that I would be kicked out. So I kept it, I kept it hidden. Mark, did you feel like the omission of, you know, any conversation about, you know, LGBTQ folks um, from Idlewild and your family, did you feel like that omission was sending a signal of some kind? 
Yeah, I, it's almost, I mean, it, it was, it was, I'm glad I didn't hear anything negative, but I didn't hear anything positive. So it was sort of a, well, everyone else is saying something negative. And out of all, it's not really saying anything. So maybe they just agree or it's so taboo. We're not going to talk about it or, or something like that. And I went to a, a Catholic high school, Christian Brothers High School. And so I, I mean, I would have gotten the, my butt kicked, um, to put it in a nice way, if I had been found out to be gay. So I kept it hidden. Laura and Mark, how has your understanding of faith and who God is, how has it evolved over time? Well, for me, I understand that God loves gay people. And so that has been a huge change from when I was growing up. God loves me for all my flaws. He loves me because he loves me. I'm gay. He loves me. And it's okay. And, and being gay is not a flaw. But um, I mean, I thought it was growing up and worse than a flaw. But my understanding of faith is that it's um, being gay is part of who you are and God loves you. So yeah, that's how it's, how it's changed. Mine is similar to Mark's, although it came about as a, um, a response to some, uh, some really rough times in my life and seeking out um, a higher power. And I didn't know, after visiting back with some of the local Catholic churches here in Memphis, there just wasn't, it, they didn't have what I was looking for. I didn't really know or have a name what I was looking for. And actually through my best friend's recommendation, she uh, turned me on to a book about Buddhism. And in reading that, I came to relate positively to so many of the things that were set forth in their um, belief system and also saw how it tied in completely with Christianity and believing in Christ. I just, it took me a long time to figure out how I as a gay person was still loved by God. When it, I was told repeatedly growing up, well, I came out when I was 17 and heard from my family and others that, I was sinning and sinning against God and it took a long time and a lot of self-discovery, some therapy to figure out that they're the ones that were wrong and that God loves us just the way he makes us. And that's all there is to it. And my understanding of God is so much broader than it used to be. But for me personally, that was something that was uh, something I needed to learn and to overcome in order to learn more about God, because that was like a big hurdle to get over before I could even go any further. When you feel such rejection on the front end, why would you want to continue to explore something? So when I found, when I realized that the messages I'd received and my thought process about it was needed to change then it's like the doors flew wide open and it was great the next question 
what first drew you to Idlewild and what, especially for Mark, keeps you here? Okay, well, um, I am a lifelong member of Idlewild. I'm, in fact, a fifth generation member of the church. So, um, as I said, I was born into the church and baptized a few months after uh, uh, down front, uh, after I was born. And so, what keeps me at Idlewild, and, and to be honest, I, one of my first boyfriends, uh, Chet, he uh, was a member of First Congo back when it was in the uh, old church uh, behind the, near the Taco Bell. And uh, I went, I kind of started going to First Congo some with him. Uh, it was a much more openly accepting for all LGBTQ people. Uh, but I, I didn't. I, I came back. Um, and, and I also went to First Congo some with Ben while we were dating before we got married. I mean, it's probably been about a decade ago, but we went a number of times um, just to kind of see it as a couple. And we live around the corner from it now. But uh, I would say the, the people keep me coming back. Two things, the people, the friendships, and the way the church has evolved in the last 25 years. I came out in two Idlewild in the fall of, I think it was 1994. Um, that sounds about right. And people quickly, when I came out, people quickly, I mean, it started, people knew soon the word started to spread. And I, and I was, no one was, no one was ugly to me at all. And even some conservative members of the church at the time made an effort to say, hey, Mark, we're glad you're here. I'm, I'm, we're glad you're here, Mark. Um, so that made me feel good. But the church has really evolved since 1994. And really, it's been a, a quick, like a sledding downhill and on, a, on a snowy day, you know, really when Steve came and really in the last 10 years. Um, with both Steve and 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 Apple, um, their leadership among others, but but those two, and I do want to give a shout out to Patty Snyder, um, who was the minister, one of the ministers when I came out. She was very supportive, uh, but that was again in '94. So the people and the way the church has evolved as an institution to be extremely loving and accepting of people in the of the lgbtq community so <clears throat> i um first found out about idlewild by basically outing myself at work to dennis higdon through a conversation you know he's military my dad was military and i told him he asked if had i ever asked thought about joining the military and i said yeah, but I didn't want to lie about being gay because they used to ask that. And somehow that conversation led to a conversation about church and that I'd been seeking out churches and I'd visited many of them, um, different denominations here in Memphis. And he said, well, that's interesting. Let me tell you about the church that I go to. And he uh, invited me to join he and Joanna, the just a few days later that Sunday and from the minute I walked in and 
it felt very structured similarly to a Catholic church. So the, the feeling and the, the way it looks felt very familiar to me. But what was so fabulous was seeing female preachers. It was not something I ever saw in a Catholic church. And it was, it moved me. It was important. It was very important. But also the, the incredibly warm welcome that I received, but also how quickly um, I was asked, what are you looking for? What would you, what are your thoughts about being involved in a church? Like if you were, do you want to be? And what would that look like for you? Um, and that was Ann Apple that was asking me those questions. And when I told her basically that because I didn't have it, I think it's important to be open and part of a, some sort of a young person's teaching team as an openly gay person. And, and is Idlewild a place that would allow me to do that? And she said, absolutely, absolutely. And put me right into the confirmation teaching team. Some of the sermons that I heard, whether it was Margaret or Steve or Anne, which is the team when I first joined, took my breath away. So there were times they brought tears to my eyes because they weren't things that I'd ever heard coming from people in positions of power within a church. And they were loving and spoke openly. And through that and formed relations, relationships and the community. And that Idlewild really does walk the walk in community outreach. That's what keeps me coming back. That sounds like Anne to immediately meet someone new and put them to work. <laughs> I love the, the evolution theme that I've heard from the beginning and, and to where we are now. The, the next question, I had a little trouble kind of creating because I wanted a bridge. I, I think a bridge is important in our community, especially um, surrounding faith. So this question is, how, Laura, especially you with, the, your, your evolution is, is incredible. The, how do you define your role as a Christian and as a member of the LGBTQ plus community? So this is one of the questions that I gave the most thought to. And um, it's my job as a Christian to be authentic and open about me and that includes my sexuality it's important for me to speak openly about christ's resurrection he's really opposed to hate and oppression and promise to love everybody it's important that i speak out about instances where i see people that are experiencing whether it's racism or sexism or any of those isms that are um that separate us from seeing each other as fully human but it's also important that i do so as an openly gay woman and even more so as an openly gay married woman now it's important that others see us as fully authentic christians for them to recognize that we are just like them and 
it's important for other gays and lesbians, the young community, but those that are also our age that haven't found a church home or who still may believe that God is going to condemn them for living as who they are. It's important to be seen. It's important to be seen and heard and speak out about our love for Christ. It's our calling. Well, this is a good question um, as a Christian and as a member of the LGBTQ community. I'm a member of both. But, you know, I'm members of all sorts of communities. I'm members of the Cooper Young neighborhood, a member of the film community. I try to be a, a good Christian as best I can every day. And I fail a lot, to be honest. Um, and so I, I'm in the community, gay community, and I, oh, let's see how to put this. I want people to know in the LGBT community that Idlewild's an accepting place, not just an accepting place. Idlewild, again, has evolved from accepting to, okay, you're LGBTQ, you're gonna work. You're gonna be part of the machine. That's, that's how it is. You know, I um, have no idea if this is relevant, but, you know, for years in the 90s and 2000s, I was like, we need to get gays to be deacons and elders and, and preachers. We need it. and Let's all vote for it. And finally it happened and, and gays can be deacons and elders and um, preachers. And then I got put on diaconate and I was thinking, and I was at the dadgum church like three times a week on different committees and at night in the afternoons we were cleaning the church and I thought oh my gosh what was I thinking um wanting to be on the diaconate I mean I worked my butt off those three years so be careful what you wish for again I have no idea if that story is relevant or germane to the conversation but it's it's a freebie as a Christian and as an Ottawa member I'm not out trying to proselytize <coughs> proselytize folks to come to Idlewild. But like yesterday, when we had about 20 of us, uh, and we would have had more, we literally had less, we had about 22 hours notice. So we could have had 50. Uh, but there were a good, maybe I think 20 of us out front of the um, church on Union Avenue waving pride flags and holding up banners as the pride parade went by this year. Uh, it was in cars, so it was different, obviously, for the COVID. But I think that sent a strong message to the, to the community that, wow, look at Idlewild. They've got all these pride flags and this big banner hanging that's been, that's been there all month. So I try to work within the church to make it more LGBTQ accepting. And I I don't know. I just try to make, I hope people will, will see me and say, gosh, I think Mark's a Christian by his actions and his words. Some days are better than others, as I said. And if they want a church to go to, I'll gladly try to sell them on Idlewild. I'll gladly rush them if need be. How has your relationship with the church evolved as married couples? I'll go. Um, so we got married in November 
my husband and I actually got married like nine, like just like 90 years and 10 days from the time my grandparents got married at Idlewild in the, in the sanctuary in like 1928. And so, and they got married a few days before the stock market crashed. And we got married uh, about three months or four months before the pandemic came. So basically, if you see a member of the Jones family getting married, watch out. Uh, I, well, actually, they got married right after the stock market crashed. Anyhow, I digress. So uh, we got married uh, uh, June 3rd in 2016. 17, sorry. For us, I think our relation, our, our marriage is strengthened by Idlewild. Um, the community and the support that we have there has been instrumental in navigating some of the obstacles of combining two middle-aged households. I mean, I'm, I just turned 53 and Gina turned 45 and we find a lot of support there through other members, through the church itself, through Christ and our belief, um, through prayer. It's, it's a support system that neither of us has had. We find a lot of strength and support from Idlewild. So this is the standard question for both of you. And it's something that we ask ourselves every single day, or we should ask ourselves every single day. Where do you see Christ at work in your life at this time right now? You know, I see Christ, his work in little things and in big things. Some everyday normalcy. Uh, I'm still here. Hadn't gotten taken by the pandemic, so that's that's good. I wish I could give you an example of some sort of. I don't ever see burning bushes, or um, I've never been on the road to Damascus. You know, I wish I could have one of those sort of life-altering events. But it's it's my journey in with Christ has been more of a stair step journey than than say a burning bush or a road to Damascus or something like that um, or hearing Amos out in the wilderness. I, I can't give you anything specific, but but he Christ is in my life and working every every day. It's very pat, but Laura, please redeem us. Well I don't know if you guys know this, but just um I'd have to do the math, but Probably uh, one day shy of a month ago, my stepdad died, and I was very close to him. In fact, I he was more dad to me than my real dad. And Christ and prayer were instrumental in easing that blow. That was there's been plenty of people in my life who have died, but none that I was that torn up about through. COVID and being home and the togetherness that that creates with not just Gina and I, but also a 17 year old who's also restricted and homeschooling now. Prayer has been a huge part of bringing me the patience that it requires to spend this much time at home and the restrictions 
of our freedoms because safety is paramount for everybody. Those are the two the two instances that come to mind the most. It's just the knowledge that Christ is here with us has brought me so much peace during this time. And things like this, this Zoom, being asked to be a part of this makes me feel like I'm right back in church again. Laura, I'm so sorry to hear about your stepdad. Are we thinking about you? Most of us have heard of the so-called gay agenda. It was a term initially introduced by the far right as a way to disparage the LGBTQ plus movement, but now seems to have evolved into more of a source of amusement to the LGBTQ plus community. Is this true? And if so, what are the top items on your gay agenda? It is a thing of amusement in a way, but there are still a lot of people using it as a, as a scare tactic, the gay agenda. I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we heard it at some point in the election cycle. You hadn't heard it yet, you know, hadn't looked at the newspaper in an hour. So, and, and even local, I don't know, I just, it, it's, like I said, it's kind of, we can use it as an amusement and it could be a joke, but there are still a lot of people out there who will use it to scare folk. Um, my top three, I will go with that all, all um, conversion camps or ex-gay ministries be outlawed in every state uh, in the union, and, well, across the world. But um, some have, but a lot haven't. So all ex-gay ministry camps be outlawed, and I would want no teenager to go through the fear that I went through uh, when I knew I was gay. And I'd like to see more LGBTQ uh, folks in political office. So my three gay agenda things to live openly and authentically because our stories matter and to be seen matters. Um, to speak um, openly against that are about the LGBTQ plus um, community that are misinformed or openly hateful to stop it cold, to just shut it down. It's not okay. And that happens sometimes as sad as it is in my workplace and in healthcare and with certain patients that come through and it's just not okay. And the third thing is to remind our younger LGBTQ plus community about our history and how we came to be able to live openly and without for some fear of persecution because it hasn't always been that way but it's very very important to remember where we came from and the people that fought for us both figuratively and um, politically not figuratively actually and politically and then the fourth thing i came up with was any um any clothing choices which are just really bad as <laughs> told you aj would appreciate it to just stick the well-dressed people that we know in the lgbtq com community on them and offer them a gentle helping hand when it comes to better fashion choices <laughs> i see aj giving a thumbs up to that 
thumbs up on that. Yes. Um, last question, I think just last question. Um, and you spoke about um, history, which is a big, big one for me. Knowing, knowing your history, that's very important uh, for our young people to know the history, to know where, where we came from to where we are now. And that was a part of this last question. So for each of you, and this would include Megan and Elizabeth, all four of you, name three LGBTQ living or dead, famous or infamous icons that have influenced your life. I'll make it easier. You could also have supper with them. Okay. This one kind of violates your rules a little bit, but there are some biblical scholars who have made the argument that uh, Joseph from the Old Testament could have been queer in some way because the translation of the coat of many colors can also be translated as like princess dress. And so there are some gender bending things that are happening there which I think is super, super cool. And I think queer readings of the Bible are amazing and can make us think about scripture in totally new ways. But I would point to Joseph um, because I think in that story, we see, you know, beautiful idea of overcoming and forgiveness in spite of like these awful obstacles um, and perseverance. So I would say Joseph. And then fun fact um, about my high school, um, I went to a fine arts high school in Alabama and long before my time, Laverne Cox went to my high school. So I think that's pretty cool. So I would love to sit down and chat with Laverne Cox about both of our high school experiences at the Alabama School of Fine Arts. And for dinner, I would have dinner with Anthony from Queer Eye because I think he would make me a great supper. So the three I came up with, one of the youngest, uh, one of the first ones that I really remember reading about was Georgia O'Keeffe. And I think because of that and knowing um, that she was gay was uh, my fascination with art now. I think I, I kind of tie that in as a teenager, reading and learning and loving art in all forms. Uh, I remember reading about Lily Tomlin as a very young person, the comedian, and that she was open about being gay back in a time when it wasn't acceptable and how brave that was. And so I'd always appreciated that about her and Harvey Milk because of all the work he did on my behalf and every other LGBTQ person's behalf. I'm gonna go with a like to meet up with, um... James Baldwin, the author, and I'd like to meet up with um, Leonardo da Vinci, uh, the inventor and Renaissance man. I think that would be an interesting way to spend lunch or dinner, talking with him. I mean, you can spend a whole day with him and just see everything. And I, I don't, the third, I could go to the Bible because there is talk of, um, there's talk of David and Jonathan uh, being more, maybe Jonathan being more gay than David. I don't know. So if I had to choose a biblical character, maybe it would be Jonathan or David. Who wouldn't want to have lunch with David? 
Okay, I guess it's my turn. So my first one would be um, Megan Rapinoe, big soccer fan, um, grew up playing soccer, um, and I think she's just a great role model for today's youth. Up until the summer, I probably would have said Ellen DeGeneres, <laughs> um, uh-huh. as she was for me. You know, you kind of got to see her um, struggle and success. You know, she kind of came out on the other side um, after she uh, struggled after coming out. And then I'm going to have to say James Baldwin as well. I'm an avid reader and um, always enjoyed uh, his work. AJ, I think you need to answer this question too. About to volunteer because that was a curveball. I'm sorry, but I like these answers. So three people would be, the first on the list would be Tennessee Williams because Southern goth, Southern gentleman. Uh, he was the epitome of that, I think, in my book. So he's like a little hero of mine. And then my rebellious side, definitely Marsha P. Johnson, who was um, drag queen in the Stonewall riots. Um, there are rumors, maybe there are rumors, that say she was one of the first to throw some of the first bricks or rocks in that riot that began that whole riot, which began the move, the uh, LGBTQ movement. And Harvey Milk, because, because you gotta have hope. And that's all, that's all I got, so. All right. Well, thank you all so much for being a part of this. Laura and Mark, I've just really enjoyed listening to your stories and am so grateful for your vulnerability and willingness to share. And I'm really grateful that both of y'all are a part of the Idlewild community. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of God in the Wild. If you would like to be involved, whether through leading an interview or nominating someone whose story you would like to hear, please contact me, Elizabeth Doolin, at edoolin at idlewildchurch.org. May God be with you out in the wild.